I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 37. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this morning, I have the absolute treat of spending some time with my dear friends, the Frickmans. They are from Southern California, and uh, Eric and Amy have been in my life for quite some time, and we're going to share our story. But Eric is a medical doctor there in Southern California working in the area of preventative medicine and public health. He actually is also a COVID uh, response advisor to the California prison system right now. So he's right in the thick of life, living big there in California. And his beautiful wife, Amy, who is on my board of my ministry, uh, was trained as a pediatric heart transplant recovery nurse and has lots of experience in the medical world as well. But she stepped off that uh, merry-go-round to raise their beautiful children, five of them, uh, aging from 20 to 13. So she's also got her feet in the thick of things. Welcome, Amy and Eric. Hello. <laughs> Eric is yawning because it's very early in California, but they're doing this out of love for me and for all of our listeners. So tell us a little bit about your story as homeschool parents and how our lives intersected. Well, I have to say that um, I was actually homeschooled and Carol, we haven't actually talked about this for years and years, but I was homeschooled in Orange County around when you were homeschooling JJ. So I wonder if we ended up at the beach by ourselves someday. one of those days. But anyway, um, my mom homeschooled my brother and I till about fourth or fifth grade. And um, so I had this thought that I would homeschool my kids till third or fourth grade, like my mom did. Um, And Eric comes from a very educated, um, academic, academically rigorous family. all of his fan, all of his, both of his brothers are physicians as well. And homeschooling was completely foreign to him. Yeah. So um, I told him when Catherine, our oldest Catherine, who's 20 now, when she was about three or four, I say, I told him, um, I want to go hear Carol Joy. And I think I also drug him to Chia, bless his heart, and said, let's, let's homeschool. And he was like, oh my word. I have no idea. Those kids are, go ahead. Yeah, because, you know, at the time, I just assumed I would send my kids to the best private school around here where I went to school, and that's how you make your kids who are a success. you academically rigorous, and that's what you do. I assumed that, and I always thought homeschool kids were kind of backward, and they all wore flower print dresses, and I was like, nah, that's, that's not for us. So, so what happened then? I think, we, I think Catherine was about four when a friend of ours told us about you, Carol, okay. and it was in Orange County, and I think we had two kids and um we went and i remember eric saying to me leaning over and saying well they look pretty normal they look pretty normal um and he was kind of shocked and then you start talking and for me personally it was like hearing my own mother talk because um she read us patricia st john and you talked about patricia st john and you actually had her books that day 
And I remember thinking, I've never heard one other person talk about Patricia St. John. And oh. I've read books. So for me, I was instantly connected to what you had to say. Eric, it took. Yeah, I mean, well, for me, it wasn't so much of a fast transition, but then something clicked. And the click was, and I don't remember if it was you that mentioned it or if I learned it somewhere else, but just the idea that, you know, God gives us these kids and it's, they're our responsibility in all phases of life. It's not an issue of that, well, we just can feed them and then someone else educates them, but we're, we're responsible for their education. And why does that magically stop at the age of five, six, or seven? Or now it seems like it stops at three or four. Why does that magically stop? And then we all of a sudden send them to some other place to have their primary education. That just didn't make sense. So it really boiled down to a philosophical responsibility that this is our responsibility, our God-given responsibility and privilege, I would say, to raise our kids and to educate them. And so that just was a switch. And then it's like, okay, we have to homeschool. And literally, he has never looked back. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Eric is the biggest cheerleader I have. So I can, I can speak from, <laughs> from my own experience that whenever we finish a seminar in California, what does Eric always stand up and say? When are you coming back? Right. And then when I say, oh, it won't be. Till, he's like, no, no, no. It's got to be sooner than that. No, no, no. Sooner, sooner. Yeah. So what made you, what made you change, Eric? What, what you drank the Kool-Aid? What happened? What, what, no, it, as I described, it was just, I mean, I think the Lord impressed it on my heart that no, this is your responsibility. These are your kids. They're, they're, I mean, they're my kids, meaning God's, but I put them in your hands yes. to raise in all aspects of life. So yes. here we are. So then did you live ha happily ever after, after that, you know, awareness or what, what was your journey? Well, I mean, Amy can answer that probably better since she's been the one primarily responsible for the details. But I mean, it hasn't always been easy, but um, it's, I mean, it, we've stuck with it as you, you, know, as you well, were saying. Well, and, and our family went through something where we actually put our kids in public school. Okay. Uh, we have in our neighborhood, literally, I think we're three houses down from, or up from the, from an elementary school that goes through fifth grade. and. Um, you can describe well, no, it. It's I mean, called it's, like the yeah, they, little... they, they call it they call it the local university because it's such a high pressured academic environment, oh, and it's considered it's considered the best elementary school in the area. You know, and like so a we're like, well, let's, let's try it out. Let's send our kids there. It's a lot less stress for her to send the kids there. Right. And how did after, it go? Well, after a few months of that, we were just like, no, the stresses were well, immense. Me, the the me, amount of pressure. Go ahead. Let me describe. We we threw them in, and there was there was some major personal things that were going on that made us decide to do that on the literally the fly kind of but we put them in in January and they were star tested which is state testing in California in April and I noticed because we had one in kindergarten one in third grade and one in fifth grade yeah that they were basically doing the same thing just a little bit more so mm -hmm. like the kindergartner was writing one sentence learning punctuation the third grader was learning yes a little and the the fifth grader was doing a paragraph so that was one thing and the third our daughter who's a our second daughter who was in third grade at the time could spell all the words perfectly on monday but still had to do the 20 page packet mm -hmm. and um there was just a lot of things they were teaching towards the test mm -hmm. and when the test actually came around i did have uh some anxiety a lot of anxiety um, thinking, ooh, I never did science with them, like formal science. We did nature stuff and like what Carol said, got them outdoors and hiked and stuff, but we didn't do a formal science program. We didn't have a science curriculum at home. Yes. Yeah. 
so basically when we got their test results back, our daughter who's in fifth grade, I think she, she tested two or three grades higher in science yeah. and the lack of time that they had at home, the amount of homework they had. It's the stupid stuff that they have to do, like yeah. making a skateboard, you know, come on, make a skateboard float for a parade. Uh, anyways, no, no. Yeah. Enough of that. <laughs> anyway, Carol, basically it solidified um, just the time we have with our kids. And that was one thing I wanted to make sure and say that one of the best things that we look back on with homeschooling and continue with our younger is the amount of time we have with them and the amount of time they have that's free. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. was no time for chores. There was no time for training. There was no time for reading mm -hmm. good books. It was ridiculous. You're in and a pressure we, cooker. Yeah. We, so that, that solidified things, but I have to go back to um, tell a bit of when our oldest was six and a half, we had a six and a half, she was six and a half. Our second daughter was four. Yes. Mary was two and the twins were newborn. <laughs> so I had already heard you a couple times, a few times and Eric had heard as well, but I fell, I drank the Kool-Aid as you like to say. I drank the Kool-Aid and I ordered a boxed curriculum from uh, Sunlight. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, and, and being a firstborn, rather, you know, if there's boxes to check off, I will check them off kind of person. Um, I started that with her when she was just turned seven. And then ironically, we go in, it was, I think the late fall, we go to hear you again. And I was literally, you know, two, a two-year-old, four-year-old newborns, twins, and trying to check off all the boxes and spend the time and do all the subjects and blah, blah, blah. And we went to hear you and you said a couple things that absolutely stuck to me, but most importantly, it stuck to Eric who actually had a brain then. Um, I had, I was sleep deprived, whatever, but literally you talked about American history and sunlight starts with world history and Greek myths and young, that's right. whatever. And we had heard you say these things, and this is what I would love to encourage whoever's listening who's just starting out. It, it, keep listening to Carol and her methods. They're so sound and wise. And basically, Eric, we got in the car that day and he said, you need to throw that in the trash. Whoa spent $600 on this and I wasn't about to throw it. I mean, I kept the books, the good literature out yes. of it. Yeah. Um, but literally it started with world history and it was, I was slave to it. Yes. So, um, and, and Aaron, you, you're known for being very frugal. Amy and I love to laugh about it. <laughs> we and didn't buy the car, by the way, Carol. You what, honey? You didn't buy the car? Oh, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But, so, what, I mean, something must have really burned in your heart to say, throw $600 in the garbage. What was it? Well, I mean, a lot of it was, you know, you sit down and I mean, you know, even though we mentioned sunlight, I think it's prototypic of all the different kind of, you know, Thank cookie you. we're not that, on one curriculum here. Thank right. you. <laughs> so we're not trying to bag on that. It's just bagging on the idea that this is what you have to do. 
And then it's all about checkboxes. And whether it's a, you do it in four days, three days, five days, one hour, wh whatever you do, they have it all planned out for you. And yeah. then you have to do that. If yeah. you think your kid's going to succeed, you have to get this done. And yeah. so you sit there and you spend all your time, your, all your waking moments. Okay, I read that book today. Okay, good. We've got through those pages. Okay, good. I've got this. We did those seven math problems. Okay, good. Now we read this chapter in history. Okay, good. Now I can go to sleep. Next morning, get up. Okay, now I've got to read these next pages. As opposed to, how does my kid learn? I want to get outside. I want to go hiking. I want to go to the beach. I want to well, go to the desert. And, and Catherine was fabulous with the twins. I mean, literally, I could bathe them, hand a newborn to her, and she could go put their diaper on and get them dressed and stuff. Yeah. I mean, she was a tremendous help to me, but she loved it as well. Yes. And she was like a little mommy. So why was I making her sit down, you know, and she wasn't reading yet, Carol, as you know, as you remember. I mean, she didn't, she could talk like with huge vocabulary and I read to her a ton, but it was like, she wasn't ready to read because she was busy running the household basically. Wow. So I think I would encourage, and, and you know, Carol, the other thing I was thinking about with all of this, because right now I'm in the, we're in the thick of it with, we our, our second daughter's a senior in high school, our third daughter's in high school, and the twins are 13 in junior high. So we do a little bit, we do a lot more of, um, you know, I mean, they have to do math, they have to do certain things, um, but our, our it's full become more structured. It's, it's, as you get older, it becomes yes. But yes. I have to say that looking back over the years, when I would be stressed, um, it was mostly because I was I was listening to the world and I was complicating things. Mm. And if I just stepped back and thought, no, read to your kids, get them outside. Yeah, you've got to do math, but you've got just this simple, go back to the basics mm -hmm. of what, what's our goal here? Our goal is that they know the Lord. Our goal is that they love to learn. Our goal is that they love outdoors and that they know how to work hard. When I go back to those things, I am totally calm. Oh, you he can add it. Yeah. He can yeah. attest that totally. No, it's true. I mean, there, you know, you get all caught up in, you know, this class, that class, this curriculum, that thing, and it just becomes overwhelming. So, and, you know, when back in the early days when we finally dropped the curriculum and then we were just focused on how do we just bring our kids up, you know, appropriately into the Lord and how do we read out loud and how do we do this? There's the pressure just, it, it's not that it goes away, but it mostly evaporates because you recognize, Hey, we're focusing on the right things as opposed to going hurry scurry, basically trying to create school at home. Yes. And and Catherine, you know, and we have the privilege, and I know this is the thing that so many families listening are just starting out or just have been thrown into homeschooling or whatever, or they don't have a, a firm philosophy or a firm understanding of what works. Um, but I have to say, I am enjoying the twins like nothing else Aww. because I can look and see what we did with the older ones and they're doing fabulously they are thriving in their what they're involved in and our oldest is a junior college and she is doing great and loving it and totally independent and not calling us every five minutes worried and doing well so i have that knowledge in my head so i can seriously 
and we sat down with the kids and asked them like what did you love about like what would you change if you could and what did you think was good not one of them said oh i wish you'd done more school stuff with us <laughs> no the main thing carol and this is what just made us laugh we wish we traveled more and we're like are you kidding me we have traveled that's what we've done is traveled a ton with them and they said we would literally eat beans and rice and potatoes if we could travel often or more. Wow. So, you know, I mean, yeah. I and think Eric, you've kind of driven that ship, the travel ship. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, Mark Twain has a famous quote that I love, you know, travel is fatal to narrow mindedness, bigotry, and what is it? I forget the other one, but basically or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, travel, travel is fatal to those things. And I learned that at a younger age, I, I was blessed to travel when I was younger. And so we've really been, you know, blessed to be able to do that. And I, and it has opened up the kids eyes to various things and various perspectives and various peoples. And so I think travel is a, is a huge thing. And I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be curriculumized. Um, I've tried over the years to have the kids, okay, we're going to this country or going to this state. Why don't you research a little bit and tell us what we want to do. I would say that was met with some success, but at least it, you know, generated some interest in the kids. And, you know, so we kind of had some common goals as we were you know, I think to work they're together. appreciating that more the older they have got. I mean they they love it. They all love to travel. But it's like, oh, we that's we're really I think Catherine studied abroad last year in Spain and she traveled a ton and she had this bucket list of places like I mean places in Eastern Europe, like little places. Yeah. And most of the kids she was over there with hadn't been to Paris. Like, or, we're gonna go to Paris. You know, yeah. it was like, she goes, boy, I've already been to so many places that I want to go off the beaten track, you know. Right. Wow. Wow. It's easy for that old do school at home mentality to sneak in and convince you to bring a classroom into your home. But it doesn't have to be that way. I'm here to help you know how to find freedom on your homeschooling journey. I put everything you need to know about homeschooling into my comprehensive online course, all about homeschool. And I'm offering it at a special discounted price this holiday season. For the first time ever, you can get 20% off my online class, all about homeschool. This course gives you the framework and the tools you need to use great books to give your children the very best education. When you buy All About Homeschool, you get instant access to nine modules that include over 30 videos and 10 PDF downloads. Watch at your own pace, jump in whenever you need the most help, and revisit lessons when you need clarity. Listen to Charity, who recently went through the class and said, I love that I have these videos to reference again and again. If I get tired and weary in this journey, all I ever have to do is sit down with Carol for an afternoon and my hope and vision are reborn. Maybe you need fresh hope and vision before starting the spring semester. If so, click the link in the show notes and use the discount code HOLIDAY to get 20% off All About Homeschool. This offer ends December 11th in time for you to be refreshed over the Christmas break. Now back to the show. So if you were starting out as a new family, never, you know, so many families have never even thought about homeschooling and they've been thrown into the deep end. Yeah. Eric, what advice to dads would you give? Well, the, the first thing I would probably recommend would be you got to take a step back. 
it's so easy for us. I was actually just, there was a guy who lived about four houses away who, because the schools were shut down in the spring, this is 2020, um, when things were shut down in the spring, he, they have one kid and he actually, the dad lives at home and he was like, you know, I works about home. he works from home. He's like, you know, I've thought about homeschooling. Um, you know, what, I see what do your you kids on the front that? lawn all the time. <laughs> yeah. So we sat down and we talked in the driveway for about half an hour. And I found out later from someone else that he's homeschooling now. And it basically, I told him, I'm like, okay, don't go buy a curriculum. Don't go get this stuff from the public school. Don't sign up for this charter. Don't do this because they're going to make you do all this junk. And by the way, I'm frugal. I would love the idea of someone giving me a thousand dollars or whatever per year through a charter, but then there's strings attached. You have to do this. You have to do that. Now I know there's some charters that I think are kind of cheesy that say, well, no, you can get Disneyland passes and then you can, that can be part of your educational thing, which I think is, is lame. But you know, the idea is that, you know, what's more valuable than your kid's education? And the answer is almost nothing other than your kid's soul, I guess. And so the idea is, you know, don't, don't jump into anything yet. You just got to sit back and say, okay, what do we really want to do for our kids? If my kid does no class for one or two weeks, they're going to be okay, right? Look what happened in March. Everybody was okay. Nobody had class for almost a month or two. So your kid's going to be okay if you just sit back. And then, I mean, I would always recommend a consult, you know, a consultation with you, Carol, or attending one of your classes, because that's where you, then you start inculcating the idea and how important work is and how important service is. And then you start hearing that. And then you realize, wow, an education of a child is not about school. An education about a child is developing them to be a servant for, you know, humanity and a, and a servant for the Lord. Wow. Eric, that is so good. Whew. How about you, Amy? What would you add? You know, I, I have, as you know, we've all had people calling us left and right, um, asking, how have you done it? What, you know, and I think they have this vision that we sit down at eight o'clock and we, we are sitting there with our children until three o'clock when the bell rings and they can finally be children again or whatever. Um, and obviously that's very far from the truth. We, you know, we do them about three hours in the morning, even that they're older. Um, we do nine o'clock till about noon, 1230. We read after lunch and they do a little bit in the afternoon if they haven't finished their math or whatever. But honestly, I tell moms, write down the things that you've always wanted to do with your kids mm. and make sure you do those things. Starting now, I mean, just do the things that you've always wanted to do because you will not get this time back. I honestly, it hurts my heart to see families with young children doing strict curriculums and doing a bunch of, you know, creating school at home because that time, I wish I could go back with my oldest and my second one, knowing what I know now, I would be so less uptight. Yes. Yes. And, and it's always that hindsight, but honestly, reading great books, the time spent snuggling, it's a lot harder now. I mean, we still read a ton, but getting all of them, you know, we have a book that involves all of our family. Then we have a book that leaves Lizzie out because she goes here and does this, our second one. And so there's, you know, the, the opportunities to all come together become less and less and doesn't mean you don't fight to do it, but I would say, you know, and I would also, and I know you would say this too, detox the kids from what they've, you know, from the school system and the way that they've been learning. And, you know, the same guy that Eric was talking about up the street, yeah, he had no idea his, his son was literally 
he wasn't even reading the books. He was just like skimming a book and writing the book report. Of course. And yeah. I love to read and it kills me to see that he doesn't even enjoy reading the book. And he was yeah. like in fifth grade. I mean, he was literally, he didn't have any idea that his kid was doing so many worksheets and so much busy oh. work. And he literally, I think he got an Airstream trailer and he's taking his kid on like around the United oh, States. Oh, praise the Lord. So anyway. answer, um, speak to one other issue that we haven't talked about. And that is media. Talk to me about that. Eric, you start us. What, wh how, what would you recommend to families regarding media? Well, I think the number one thing that I think is huge, and I think this is usually something that gets come back to in conversations, but it's not usually the lead thing. Number one is modeling the behavior. And if you and I as parents are on our phones, right? We're all adults. We all have smartphones. If we're on our phones as adults, and we're seen during the middle of the day, in the evening time, around dinner time, having the phone by our wherever. If we get in bed and our phone's by our bedside, that's, that's modeling behavior. And so I think the number one thing that we can do is model that behavior by not having the phone. Fine, check it once every few hours. Fine, check it a couple times a day. But keep it in a different part. Keep it in your purse. Keep it in, the, in a different room of the house so you're not on it all the time. Yes. I think that's probably number one. And then number two is your kids don't need media as young as they think they do. So, you know, we have an iPad, but we have a password lock so the kids can't get into it. And they'll come, they'll say, hey, dad, I want to look at the Dodger score. I'm like, fine. You know, I think that's acceptable. So he'll spend a few minutes looking at it. You know, I'd I wish he'd said, dad, I want to learn more about Willie the Conqueror, but I'll, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so I think that is huge. And I think our, our society, and I think there's a conscious push to push uh, devices in kids younger and younger and younger, whether they're their own device or whether they're... Um, you know, whether they're the mom's and dad's device. When I see patients, there's times I'll see the, I'll see that, you know, two and three-year-old on the iPad or on the, on the phone. And then I see that dad go, no, no, you don't. Because I'm like, you know, do you really want your kid? I'm like, oh, no. So they'll take it from him and the kid throws a hissy fit. I'm like, you're freaking two. You don't have a hissy fit. You don't even know it. You don't understand the phone. But, you know, they're playing some goofy game, but it's already there. And so their mind is already rigged to watch this little bleep, bleep, bleep thing go by. And that's basically what they have to do to calm down. And that's horrible. So anyways, and I know you've got a lot of stuff to talk about about media, which I think was always impressive. And, and that's the stuff we need reminders. Every time you come talk, you mention media, you mention the important that I have devices. And it's, a, and it's a reminder for us to be able to keep them out of our kids' hands. Keep, even though our kids are older, kids have smartphones now. Um, but it's something that, you know, we control and we have limits on it and we know where they are if they're out with friends. And so all those kinds of things that can be helpful. Because remember, sorry for all this long answer. I the love cell, it. The cell phone and the internet is nothing but a tool. That's right. Just like a wrench, a hammer. It's a tool. It can be used for wonderful things, um, but I believe Satan uses it for lots of bad things. So. Yes. Yes. Wow. This is so helpful. I love this. Um, anything you want to share about how your children have turned out using these methods? I mean, you've, you're kind of coming into the home stretch with the kids. And, you know, a lot of this is theoretical for young families. And you've, you've got some fruit now that you've kind of tested. What do you think? Does this approach work? Oh, I, I have to say that the simplicity, and I say that not to, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, maybe not just, to make it sound just, too simple. No, it's, it's not simple because you're reading amazing books and your kids, I mean, no, 
I don't think anyone would get to the end. And honestly, I mean, I'm thinking, yes, we've traveled a lot, but we have sat on our couch and been all over the world through books. Um, And just, it's a rich, it's a rich environment. And the other thing that we were talking about last night, Eric and I, is just with this, I hate even calling it a method, Carol. Approach. The approach of, of, you know, reading a lot to your kids and such is that they, they seek out what they don't know. So the, the gaps um, that you may not touch on. Yes. There are kids that can go and figure something out. I don't know how to say that better. Oh, but that makes sense. So tell, as we close, tell me what people have said about your children as they've flown out a little bit into the world. What, what has been the response of teachers and mentors? And- well, I mean, I think generally people see our kids as mature. Um, mm-hmm. I know one thing we've seen in them and other people have mentioned, it's neat that they can, you know, hold a baby, but also talk to a grandpa. And then they can talk to a 65-year-old guy and then also play with a third grader all within the same, you know, the same room as opposed to just hanging out with the 13-year-olds that are all the same age. Yes. Well, and I think, I think the other thing is, you know, each of our children, and it's been very evident with twins that are boy, because we have the, we have three older girls and then the twins are a boy and girl. So we have one boy and four girls. Yeah. And it's been very interesting to watch a boy and girl be the same age going, doing the same things and how different they are. Yes. Um, bonded they are together and they're, they're really tight friends and such, but, but they're just so different. And I think that's the thing, Carol, is that um, they've been able to do what they're interested in, in a very peaceful, non-pressure way. So like our oldest daughter who's in college, she went to a new college in Tennessee this year and um, she got a job in campus ministries and she's super involved. She's actually in a mentoring where she's mentoring those who are leading life groups. And and just the fact that, you know, she gets involved in whatever she does in a way that she, she just has a heart for, like mentoring, that's kind of her thing. She did it in high school. She did Bible study for young girls. Um, and then we're watching our second daughter who's night and day difference, definitely not as organized and such, also being very involved in her own way. So I think, you know, each of them has, and then our third daughter who's more quiet and such, she's the one that runs the kids' business. So they do this. <laughs> abundant harvest and literally I look at her and I think she's not like academics like I'm, I'm going to say specifically math does not come easy for her she has to work incredibly hard yeah um, she's got that grit that does that and she has been running the business since our oldest daughter left making artisan bread on Fridays and she keeps all these orders and she orchestrates all this stuff and she'll oftentimes be up before we are making wow you know, getting the bread mixed and stuff. So, and this is not something we have done. They literally, I mean, yes, we, I drive the bread to the customers, yeah. but he orchestrates it. And so she, her gift, her talents are completely different than the first two. Yeah. And the twins are still mind boggling. 
us because they're just right. but but i think i mean coming back to the question though yeah. you know, the approach is that it allows these kinds of things to thrive and it allows each person to have their own unique attributes of life how they can end up serving and how they can best be a person and i'm you know to me one of the famous quotes that you have is that i'd rather have my kid you know be a god-fearing trash man than be an atheist at, who goes to harvard and that's exactly what we want. I don't care if my kids are super academically successful. I mean, I want them to do well in school, but more important is that they have a relationship with Christ and that they're going to be saved. And that's number one. Uh, you, you couldn't have said it better. Eric, would you close us in prayer? This has been so helpful. Amy, you want to add something? Yeah. I just wanted to read a verse. Sure. I'd love you to do that. Is so, I was going to read that one, but um, this verse from Isaiah I just think touches what so many people are maybe going through and maybe would encourage them. So I just wanted to read it. It's Isaiah 2, 16. And it's, Eric, you have one too, it looks like. So both of you. I, I had two verses that I cling to literally. So um, this one I just think is so applicable for today. It says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. So I will lead those, I'm thinking Carol, who are just start, starting out. They're in unchar uncharted waters. So I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn, this makes me get choked up. <laughs> I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These things I will do, I will not forsake them. And that's Isaiah 42, 16. And I just think so often yeah, that's, I don't what, that's what you've experienced in your own lives. You've, you've felt like, the Lord's partnership with you and this journey, I think. And smoothing the places that I'm not good at. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he fills in the spaces. Amen. So. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, thank you. This has been wonderful. Dr. Eric, would you close us in prayer, please? That'd be fine. Lord, we want to thank you for this time together. We want to thank you for Carol, Lord, and the vision that you've... Uh, put through her, Lord, so that our family, our kids, Lord, and that multiple other families um, can learn um, and can raise up children, Lord, following you. I ask, Lord, that you be with the listeners of this. May it inspire them, Lord, and may it encourage them uh, to move forward and to understand that this doesn't have to be so stressful and that, Lord, we need to rely on you to make the rough places smooth. Lord, we are thankful for everything you do for us and how you care for all of us. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Eric and Amy, and thank you listeners for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com, to subscribe to our weekly email and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.